With the first pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the New Orleans Pelicans select Zion Williamson from Duke University. Welcome back to the Pelly Podcast. As usual, I'm here with Jonathan Palazzolo and Tyler Nye. How you guys doing tonight? As we said earlier, man, I'm in my happy place when I'm here, so I'm doing great. Uh, I watched Leo Murphy get dunked on by Mitchell Robinson, so I'm happy. Shout yeah, so, out to Leo. <laughs> yeah, so Mitchell Robinson, uh, who plays for the New York Knicks from Chalmette, as all of we are. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so he had his basketball camp down here, and one of our friends... Uh, Got viciously dunked on, so mm-hmm. that's impressive. Check it out on Reddit. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, obviously, this was kind of like a weird Pelicans news week. You know, nothing's changing as far as addition of subtractions coming to the lineup. But uh, first things first, Zion Williamson did choose his shoe deal. He is going to be representing the Jordan brand for, I think, reportedly seven years. Um, and, uh, yeah, so he picked the Jordan brand. Are you guys surprised? No, I'm not surprised. I know... You know, for a while, it, it seemed like Nike was the front runner. Um, some other brands supposedly offered him a little bit more money, but, you know, Nike was always in a lead, and Jordan being a subsidiary of Nike and Michael Jordan being the player that he idolized growing up, it seemed like a, a surefire situation that he fit into pretty easily. Yeah, a couple of interesting things about that was uh, it almost looked like Nike could have been in trouble at first with the whole shoe exploding uh, situation that they had but I don't think that really was ever an issue for Zion obviously it was a freak accident and the other thing is Jordan's signing the last two guys are Duke guys yeah Jason Tatum and now Zion and like we said earlier when we were discussing this you know Jordan's basketball signature shoes from their athletes haven't been that popular since probably CP3 with the Hornets so uh it doesn't deter my uh, vision of buying the Air Zions from day one. I don't know about you guys. Hey, the shoe game is big down here. So. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, Zion signs the sneaker deal. Um, obviously, not everybody was happy. A uh, guy from Forbes magazine, a contributor named Terrence Moore, uh, decided to go the negative route with this news and stated that uh, the Jordans brand was taking a risk signing mm-hmm. a player who is slightly less fragile than tissue paper mm. that's just a terrible take i mean like come on like honestly when we talk about how many injuries zion has had he had the shoe explosion with the little knee injury or a knee sprain and then in summer league which he wasn't meant to play many minutes anyway he has a bruised knee which i mean most people get on a daily basis so it's i mean other than that where are we getting this zion is is fragile from no i don't know um and and when Tyler sent this to us uh, earlier throughout the year, I mean, uh, earlier this week, he sent us this article so he could tell us a little bit more about it, but it just sounded like a hot take. It sounded like a guy trying to get clicks on an article, trying to cash in on the Zion hate that's coming from a couple of people as of recently. Um, so I'm just going to hold it to that. And for Forbes Sports, it only garnished i think what like 2,000 reads 2,000 views i get more views on my facebook post so it didn't get too much attention but again like i said um zion being the talent that he is he's going to have some haters naturally and it sounds like this guy was just kind of relishing trying to take advantage of that hate yeah this uh article was definitely biased uh 100 it kind of I don't know what the agenda was behind it. Really, really weird reading it. Uh, you see things. Uh, he mentions right after the tissue um, quote, he puts, keep, uh, basically, here's all Zion has to do with the Pelicans to make the Jordan brand folks look brilliant with this deal. Keep dunking between trips to the injured list. Mm. What? Yeah, like you know, saying like Kyrie the, Irving didn't even play his freshman year. Yeah, exactly. In college, like yeah. I didn't see none of this for him. Like, what is going on? John Morant's got a bigger injury than Zion, yeah, ever did. Um, one other one I thought was really interesting was he put basically about the shoe explosion um, fiasco. 
He said, was it a defective Nike sneaker or was it the result of the aggressive play of Zion with his um, chunky frame? Mm. Like what? Yeah, I'm just, I'm going to quote Jesse Roger on this. If Zion walked into the club and wanted your girlfriend, you'd probably back off, right? Yeah. So this dude saying chunky frame just sounds like a hater. First of all, uh, has anybody seen the pictures from the Zion uh, Drew Brees quarterback challenge at Saints minicamp? Yep. He, he looks shredded. He looks, he, are, he already looks shredded from two weeks ago from when he left Summer League. Mm-hmm. And he he just looks pulverizing. Mm-hmm. So for this dude who's probably, this writer's probably five foot seven, 190 pounds, got two sit-ups in the tank uh, to, to say someone's chunky. Like, yeah, come on, dude. Also, get out of here. Do want to point out looking into his profile he is from Atlanta. So there it is. Oh, there it is. There yeah. it is, yeah. man. But like we said, I think we said this earlier, Zion's just that player where every time he dunks the ball, he's going to be on sports center. Um, every time he gets a transition fast break, it's going to be a top 10 play with that comes this hate. So will this be, the last article that we see somebody calling him chunky or no, is, is he happy in new Orleans and you see him hanging out um, with somebody and all of a sudden it's on the front page. Like this is what comes with the territory of having a superstar. Regardless, he's our superstar and we have him now. So it just comes with the territory. Uh, how much did he, did we get a confirmed number on what he signed on the deal? First, first reports was seven for 75. Right. It's just, did that it's change, but I think that's 11. just, yeah, I think it's, I think no, it's just rumored. Yeah, no confirmed number yet. Yeah, it's a lot though. It's biggest rookie it's deal the ever. Rookie huh? deal of all time, right? Right. So um, after that, um, David Griffin uh, sat down with uh, Jeff Duncan of the Athletic and uh, did another interview. Obviously, he's like we said last time. He's been in the media a lot, trying to change the perception of the Pelicans. But uh, he said some some interesting things as far as uh, a guy we haven't really heard about. And if you want to watch anything on him, you got to dig through the the depths of YouTube. But uh, he uh, he basically stated that Nicolo Melli had a uh, a lot of teams to choose from, and he wanted to come to the Pelicans. Yeah, it's a very interesting read. If you haven't read it, if you have a, a subscription to the Athletic, Jeff Duncan did an interview with uh, David Griffin, and we said that on the last podcast, David Griffin can sell you the worst car. Like that's how eloquently he speaks and that's how clear and concise he is with his ideas and that comes through even on written paper how amazing of a communicator he is so uh when we were talking about melly uh when he was talking about melly with jeff duncan he made two things obvious one melly chose the pelicans he had multiple offers from other teams that knew about him for a very long time and he decided that the pelicans needed me, and that was the best situation for him. And obviously it was. He's a shooter. He's a one of the best rebounders in Europe, and we needed guys who can shoot and rebound. Um, and then the second thing is Trajan Langdon has amazing relationships with teams out in Europe. And Trajan Langdon knew about Melly for a long time. He had uh, communicated with Melly's coach, and Melly... Uh, Felt comfortable with Langdon, so you're seeing the benefits of hiring such an amazing GM and having an amazing front office with signings like Melly. Yeah, I think Melly's role is going to be big this season, and I think that's apparent from how Griffin talked about him. I think with Griffin, he he views Melly as that floor stretcher that Alvin Gentry likes to have in his offense, um, as far as a, as a big, and I do think. You know, because of his player IQ, uh, I was surprised because um, obviously I didn't watch. Uh, what's what's his team name? Uh, Fenner Fenner Boss. I watch him every time they play. Oh, that's okay. Joke. No, <laughs> get with the program, Tyler. Uh, anyway, uh, didn't know how good of a rebounder he was, but leading rebounder since 2015. So, uh, like I said, I think he's gonna have a bigger role on his bench. He doesn't have the NBA minutes, but he's got the professional experience to make it. Yeah, so um, something else he brought up is that um, Derek Favors also had options. Even though it was a trade, he also had options, and he also chose the Pelicans. And uh, it's great because we, we're seeing players choose the Pelicans and want to play in our system and, and want to come to our city. And, uh, you know, I think that only, you know, does great things in the, in the future for us as far as recruiting free agents. 
Yeah, and Griffin said that the Pelicans will be a destination franchise. And to see it come to fruition from year one is an amazing experience. So Melly had choices um, over in Europe, and we saw Langdon's relationships with those European teams come into effect. And then Derek Favors, um, as a guy who's on the contract, had choices because of his reputation in Utah. They let him choose where he wanted to go in this trade. And Griffin had such good relationships with his agent previously. He had good relationships with uh, the Utah front office. And he was able to make a sales pitch to Derek Favors. And he sold them um, on this trade. So, again, uh, we, we see the effects of having an amazing front office that we haven't seen before. Yeah, and on Derek Favors... Um uh, and that's why I had him third in my player ranking. I think he sets the identity of this team to that defensive. I think has the potential to be elite defensively as far as the team goes. And that anchor is going to be Derek Favors. Because we, we saw AD, you know, he, he was a great defender, helped defender, a little, little worse. But he was still great in all aspects, recovered amazing. The thing with Derek Favors, though, Anthony Davis had Drew Holiday as a defender, but now we also have Lonzo, yeah, who's who we think is a pretty good defender as well. And you got Zion, a guy who was going to put in effort, which is going to be most of what defense is. It's it's going to be really interesting to see players. You know, uh, think about a guard. All right, he comes he comes walking up the court. He's like, oh, oh crap! I got to go up against Drew. All right, I got past Drew. Up oh, there's Derek Favors. Like that's kind of yeah. a nightmare. Just imagine a pick and roll switch. Oh, okay, let me. I got Drew on me. Come on, some set. Come on, set me a pick so I can get this guy off of me. And then Zion switches to you. Like that's that's the type of ball that Think we're going to be playing. Think of being a 190 pound point guard, and you gotta you're getting guarded by a guy 280 who can run as fast as you. Yeah. Yeah, and and think of the fact that if if you're going, say you get past Drew and you get to in, inside and you get to Derek Favors, you still have to worry about a player like Zion who can jump through the roof, helping on on that end. I mean, we saw when he uh, ripped the ball from Kevin Knox. So obviously he's he's very smart, on, uh, you know, defensively when it comes to knowing who has the ball, where's it at, and how to get it back. So I think that's important. And uh, and defensively, I think this team, I think David Griffin even says he wants this to be a system of whoever scores 95 first wins. Yeah, and that's going to go to our later segment later of why my starting lineup is what it's going to be, but we'll, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, and, and just one more thing I'm going to add about the defense is I know the Pelicans have been rumored to be chasing the Houston Rockets uh, head defensive coach, Jeff Bizdelic, I believe his name is. I'm not even going to try. No, yeah, so Jeff Bizdelic. And um, this guy was in Houston last year all about switching. So if you get picked, switch, and you better guard your guy because they had the roster to do so. The Pelicans have the roster to do that. Yeah, this this roster definitely they, has uh, versatility. Yeah. It's like one through four, they can switch. So it, it's going to be very... Uh, Derek, Derek Favors isn't um, isn't a slouch out there on the wing either. No, he's not. You know, And, and, and it's just nice they have that versatility because as Jesse said, we haven't had a truth small forward in a very long time so to have guys that can switch to that position quite easily on defense we're going to see the benefits of that very quickly so you said something that makes me want to bring up another point um obviously darren ehrman left and uh kevin hansen also left this week uh he went to the minnesota timberwolves so now we're down to assistant well an associate head coach and assistant coach is this something of griff's doing or is this People taking because I feel like this is a great opportunity to coach here, right? Like you have Zion, you have a, a bunch of other young players who are who are exciting and, and are going to be exciting in the league. So to take another job in a place like Minnesota or to become the head coach of a G League team because that's what Darren Ehrman's doing, it just seems kind of like kind of productive to what you would want to do. Is this something that or, or maybe is Griff identifying a problem within the organization's coaching staff that he doesn't like? Or is this something Alvin Gentry's wanted done all along? Or is this them taking a chance at a better opportunity? No, I, I think it's just part of the NBA cycle of coaches. I think assistant coaches move on. Um, that's just a part of it. Kevin Hansen, correct me if I'm wrong, was the guy that worked with AD the mm-hmm. most, correct? Yeah. Yes. I mean, where is he going? He's going to Minnesota with Cat. Yeah. 
So, you know, maybe he just that's that's the kind of players he wants to work with. You'd think that make him want to work with Zion, but maybe, you know, he, he's got a he's got a bigger role in Minnesota. Um and I as far as Darren Ehrman, I have one little thing with him. I think I think I've, I feel like he had a good set. I feel like he was a good coach. Um as a as a six eleven basketball player, how would you like being told how to mm-hmm. play defense by somebody who was like five nine? <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is a great question because this is the first time that we've seen any form of turnover since Darren I mean since um Griffin's been here so maybe this is just that if I had a gut intuition I can't really speak too much on this it seems like this is David Griffin picking and choosing who's not going to be a part of the Pelicans future moving forward well, I'm sure Gentry's got a big part and in Gentry it. does too because Gentry and Chris Finch are definitely like the top two guys and I mean if I had to pick between Ehrman and Finch I want Finch so, and another thing, too, is I'm pretty sure Ehrman has had past, um, like, past fights with players, right? Like, I remember Ryan Anderson not being the biggest fan of Darren Ehrman. And, obviously, uh, the whole recording scandal with Mark Jackson and Golden State uh, yeah. didn't leave him with the best reputation. So, I, I think some of that played into it. I think when you have a team so young, you just can't have a guy screaming at them all the time. You know, mm-hmm. maybe you, you need more of a, a mentor in that he situation. Stressed out. Yeah. So I, I think it, I think it was just a, a mutual agreement. Yeah, and, and as well as Alvin Gentry kind of holds himself, and as well as uh, and as composed as Alvin Gentry's been and Chris Finch is, uh, Darren Ehrman's not that. You know, if you look at him on the sidelines, like you said, he looks stressed out. I've actually met him in person. He's kind of. Five nine is giving him credit. He's okay, kind of like a it? Weasley. Yeah. He's kind of like a Weasley little guy. He moves. He walks really fast and talks really fast. Um, so his mannerisms might not be the best, and he might just not be a guy that but, impressed. But uh, Griffin, when he met him, that's what I'm saying. Like a lot of these players, sure they respect you as a coach, but they're gonna respect you if they feel like you've been there before. Mm-hmm. You know, and not all coaches are gonna have been in the NBA, but they're gonna at least play basketball they're gonna look at this guy and gonna be like why am i listening to this and again and griffin's retained a lot of guys on the pelican staff then there's gonna be turnover this might be the first case of it so um he also talked about uh david griffin being uh frank jackson being uh one of the highlights from summer league even though he only played one game he says he thinks people you know overlooked that one game he said he thought frank looked really good and scoring 30 points and that, uh, you know, he was a very tough cover that game. Is that David installing Faith and Frank to be the backup point guard? Yeah, so we mentioned this in the last podcast. We said that Frank's probably going to get the most of the backup ball handler minutes because of how confident uh, the organization is in him. And in this interview, that kind of backs up what we said. David Griffin is high on Frank Jackson. And it sounds like the biggest thing, Tyler, I know you read the article as well, um, and Jesse, you read the article. It sounds like what David Griffin is saying is everybody believes in Frank Jackson. We need Frank Jackson to believe in Frank Jackson. So it seems to be a confidence issue because we mentioned this on the last podcast as well. The dude's athletic ability is ridiculous. The dude jumps off the television screen with his athletic ability. His ability uh, to score the basketball is really profound and it seems to be a confidence issue when he's getting actual NBA minutes. So that's going to be his step up this year is, is keeping that confidence for a full NBA season. Yeah, and I think that comes back to what you said last week. Um, it's his role on the team. Yeah. You know, he's he's playing a position he hasn't normally played. He's got to learn how to fit in in the NBA and get pulled out and then run starter minutes and then run five minutes, you know, the inconsistency is going to hurt a young player like that. So with Frank, I, th- I think he, we all think he's got the potential without a doubt. It's just going to be for him uh, injuries. He is, he, I wouldn't say he's injury as far as injury prone, but you know, injuries have held him back uh, so far and it did keep him out of the summer league to where he said he had to have uh Dwayne Wade armor. I think. Griffin yeah. Said Dwayne, that. Yeah. 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 Uh, but we got to see that explosiveness in game. We see little flashes of it, but 
we need to see the full thing if you want to stay. Yeah, and Drew Holiday absolutely loves him. He trains with Drew Holiday. To, you know, it seems like a big brother type moment when he sees Drew Holiday when he sees Frank Jackson successful. So the team's behind him. Um, you know, be interested to see if he gets the opportunity to shine with our very very deep roster. He'll he'll get an opportunity. Yeah. So Griff also talked about uh, Zion's training. Um, it's interesting because obviously. Everybody thought Zion was going to go into the weight room and just hit it. But instead, um, it seems like they're taking um, a page out of the trainer from Duke's book and are going to focus more on um, core stabilization, getting used to the weight he already has. And that way he can, you know, I guess, function with his body this year. Yeah, and I read quotes from the Duke trainer because the same question of Zion's weight and his explosiveness came out when he was coming out of high school. And the question was basically, how do you transition that to the college game? So Duke's trainer said, we're not going to have him lifting that much weight because he gains mass so quickly. We don't want him gaining mass that's not appropriate for the court. And he did a lot of body weight exercises and a lot of core stability exercises so he can control the weight that he has. And then fast forward a year, and Aaron Nelson's saying the same exact thing. So it looked like he gained a little bit of weight right before Summer League, but like you said, man, he got in the the past two weeks with Aaron Nelson. He got in with a professional training staff and a professional nutritionist, and if aesthetically he fits the part now, he looks pretty shredded already. Yeah, and you said to pretty much hit on every point, Jonathan. So with, with Zion, with his weight issue, we talk about it all the time. But uh, as far as how it is, they see him good where he's at. But that's that's who he is. That's that's why he's that player. That's why he's this freak of nature, explosive athlete because he's at 285. He, we already said it before, but he even said it himself. He's, you know, faster when he was at 285 like we don't want to see zion go down to 245 and be like everybody else we want him at this weight but we just want him to have control of that weight we want him to have the power explosiveness and healthy lifestyle that'll make him maintain it so i you know i I, he's not going to look much different from how he looks now on the court i can promise you that yeah and i don't think so either and just the last thing i'm gonna say about aaron nelson is his approach uh to the training is very preventative injury preventative mm-hmm. so you saw that when and again i mentioned this with Shaq. you saw that with steve nash amari stoudemire when he was recovering from the acl it was a lot of how did you get this injury and what can we do to prevent this in the future and he's the best in the business at doing that so if anybody can handle a project like zion it's going to be aaron nelson so uh this this kind of reminds me of a situation a couple of years ago it's a, it's a totally different sport but um a few years ago, Cubs pitcher, well, he plays for the Phillies now, uh, Jake Arrieta, um, he was known for, you know, throwing the ball really hard, you know, mid-90s, upper 90s, and um, he was one of the few pitchers that actually works out, right, like lifted weights. I don't know if anybody knows anything about pitching. Not many pitchers show up to spring training lifting weights. It's more or less conditioning your arm, you know, um, long toss, you know, getting, you know, just working working on pitches, Right. But instead, he um, stopped into a Pilates studio and learned how to better have control of his body and the weight he was at and how to become more stable. And it honestly, after he did that, he went on to have a Cy Young year. He, he was the Cy Young that year. He, um, and then, you know, they went to the World Series and the Cubs won the World Series. So that's just another example of like, yeah, we think like lifting weights is one, th- one way to, to get bigger and faster and stronger. But really, if you can't control your body, if you're not used to your own weight, there's nothing that's going to help you. It's you're just big. You're just nothing but muscle. So I think that is a proper way to go about it, right? Is let Zion get used to his own body, and then if you need to bulk him up, well, you can bulk him up and, and get him even stronger. Yeah, and you said it perfectly. And just as a side note, if you ever want to get a good laugh, look at the world's strongest man competition. Every now and then they'll have a sprint uh, workout where they have to like run to. S- run to a weight and lift it up and run it back these motherfuckers can't run (laughs) you know so like it's not all about it's not all about lifting weights it's not all about uh getting big and getting stronger it's about flexibility it's about stability it's about controlling what you have and we have we have a player who has a lot already 
And so let's 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 let him control it. And you want him to be comfortable too, because if you adjust him too far one way or another, it, it's it's going to be different for him out there. Even things like his jump shot, you know, will change right. depending on you know how much muscle he adds or how much weight he loses. So Stuff the like, uh, final take from this uh, this article was uh, David Griffin kind of reiterated that this will be a redshirt year for Jackson Hayes. Um, pretty much what we've known. Um, this is, I mean, he's, it's going to take time for him to develop his game. He's very raw, but it's just interesting. That he's coming out in, in an article and saying like, Hey, don't expect it. Maybe you can maybe expect something from this player because he's so gifted, but you know, don't keep your hopes high. The yeah. in, Sorry, Jonathan, you want to go? Yeah, no, tell stop cutting me off. Um, <laughs> this is a, uh, I'm actually proud of us here in the Pelly pod for saying this. We never got caught up in the Jackson Hayes dunk highlight reel. We saw him for what he was. He's an athletic freak that's going to be a great NBA player. He's just not there yet. So just, uh, you know, temper those expectations a little bit. And he will be there. He's just not there yet. And David Griffin confirmed what we said. Uh, go ahead, Tyler. <laughs> I'm going to take my time now. <laughs> now. I think the interesting thing about that with Hayes was he also talked about they didn't want to um, have him lifting too much weight now either because he's still growing mm-hmm. uh which is kind of scary a little bit as far as for the rest of the league for what he could turn into yeah. he uh he's doing the same core type of training as Zion, from what i can see yeah he's gonna be an interesting prospect going forward man he's got so much potential and he's so raw um if they do it correctly he can be a special special player or he can dive into like unknown territory right yeah. like the He's just got to get his base worked out yeah. to where he can just stand up against people in the post and be able to box out efficiently. He does that. He'll be on the floor. Yeah. So um, speaking of, I guess, injuries and progress, um, a Twitter update came out, and it could be news. It couldn't be news. We kind of discussed this beforehand before we started the show was um, Brandon Ingram recently had to cancel or postpone one of his uh, youth basketball camps due to um, – complications with his recovery now if they would have just said that brandon ingram was rescheduling for you know for for purposes of focusing on his recovery i don't think any of us would have thought about thought gave it a second thought it would just been no he he's just focused on his recovery but because they use the word complications that's what's kind of scary because is it the blood clots are back is it you know what's going on here yeah and we don't know right like we don't know all that came out was that he canceled his youth camp because of his injury. So we we have no ex- exactly, we don't have any idea about exactly what it is. Um, but as a Pelican fans, it makes us nervous because I know Tyler and Jesse, y'all had him really high on the player rankings last podcast. So he's a guy who's going to be extremely, extremely prominent in our success this year. And Tyler's going to update us on exactly what the heck his injury is. But we're going to need him on the court uh, producing at that post-All-Star break level if we're going to be successful this year. And we don't want to see any type of uh, layovers with this injury. Could this be a non-issue? Could this be Brandon Ingram got caught up with something and he just made an excuse to not show up? Absolutely. Um, Or it can be a real issue. I'm kind of hoping it's not because the Pelicans training staff has come out and said that Brandon Ingram is cleared for full contact play, and that was as of these past week and a half or so. So we don't know where he's at with these conflicting issues. So just to give some insight, if you were unfamiliar with uh, the nature of his injury, he pretty much uh, started complaining about a sore um, right shoulder in early March, and with that, he got some tests, and a couple days later he's getting surgery, um, discovered he had a blood clot, um, in his, uh, in his right arm and basically it wasn't allowing him to put his arm over his head with the, with that surgery, he actually had to. So I was a little mistaken when I said he actually, um, didn't have any mobility issues with it. He actually had a big one. Uh, and that, that was my fault. I went up to that, but he had part of that procedure involved removing part of his rib to excise the clot out. So he really couldn't do a whole lot, and I don't I don't know if any of y'all ever had bruised, broken ribs, or anything like that. But that that stuff's painful. It'll keep you it'll keep you bedridden for a while. 
The other thing is they put him on blood thinners, and he couldn't do any basketball for, you know, at least a month. And he hasn't been able to move around a lot. So it blood clots really do some damage to you uh, overall. The good thing is, like like you said, Jonathan, he has been fully cleared, it seems like, and it, it, does, it does look like he's going to be back on the court by the start of training camp, hopefully. I'll start getting worried if we see signs that he's not in training camp. Yeah, that's yeah. when I'll start getting worried. Um, but I do think Brandon Ingram's going to be a big part of this team and uh, essential part to where we go this season and you know what we can do from there. And I think uh, another thing is it's it's not only scary for the team like we're fans, right? And we're seeing it from the team aspect, like oh man, this could hinder our future or, or whatnot. But this is a big deal to Brandon Ingram. This is a contract year. This is him trying to play his way into a max deal as a, a you know a, a past second overall pick. So if he can't be on the court, then he can't display what he can do, and that's only going to make things worse for him in the aspect of getting his next contract or, or setting up his future. So I mean, obviously, if that does happen, I mean, the Pelicans can lowball him. Mm-hmm. You know, but I mean, that's not what we want. We want, we obviously, we, we as fans honestly want Brandon Ingram to come out this year and kill it. I mean, yeah. to do everything that we, he was doing the second half of the year before the injury. And, you know, even if that causes the team to lose him to a max deal from somebody, or even if it causes us to use up max cap space, fine. As long as we're getting that player, then I'm, I'm okay with it. But this is a big deal for Brandon Ingram more than it is for the Pelicans. So here's a question for you guys, um, disregarding the health form. If you so it doesn't look like Bradley Beal's gonna sign an extension with the Wizards, mm-hmm. um, as he probably shouldn't. With, let's say he's on the trade market this season, and you're offering up like Ingram some picks, maybe Tuan Moore throwing in there, um, as well as some other players. But let's say Ingram's the base of that package. If if Ingram's playing fully healthy and he's projected uh, to be growing in the way he's been growing um, before his blood clot, would you do that deal? Do you, do you want to grow with this core, or would you would you take Bradley Beal? If Ingram's a hundred percent healthy and performing the way that we think he can perform, I'm sticking with him. I'm gonna grow with that because here's the thing, right? Like Bradley Beal is for sure a shooting guard. He and, and I hate. We we we're, we lived in that past where we were trying to convert shooting guards who were on the cusp of six foot seven or six foot six into small forwards, and who who goes to the bench? Drew Lonzo? I mean, you know, it would have to be one of those two. And at that time, you're you're losing a ball handler out of that situation. So if if Ingram is the three we think he can be, then yeah, stick with him. Stick with the pick. Stick with the package and and move forward. And you know. Try to try to just keep on building with this team. Because I know this isn't a full rebuild, but I do want to grow with the score. You know, I, I believe in the score uh, of young players, and I think they can turn into something. Obviously, two years down the road, this team will not look anything like it looks today. Yeah, and, and managing, you know, just from a general manager standpoint, you're constantly weighing the scales of balance between stability and bringing in more talent. And... We've seen the side with Dell Demps where he continuously brought in more talent and he tipped that side of the scale and he gave up stability. So as a Pelicans fan with scars from the previous administration, I guess I can say, I would rather keep these young guys and build stability because we still have young guys in Neil Alexander Walker and Jackson Hayes that won't play this year. Mm -hmm. So... I don't want to give that to a 25, 26-year-old young vet. I would rather see what we have now. We have a plethora of draft picks coming up. So let's see what we got, man. Let's see this grow. Let's see this create a family organically, and let's see what happens. Agreed. I think management will look at it that way. And if something changes at the trade deadline, you, you know what can happen there. The The interesting thing about this team, I, I think we touched on it uh, very little, but this this team has no like obvious holes as as of now on paper. Now that can that can change come October and you know a player cannot live up to expectations that they probably should. But if they if they all do say play where they're at, this is a very balanced team. Yeah, and I just hope it gels. That's the only thing I'm nervous about. 
I hope it gel. I trust David Griffin bringing in these veteran guys to teach uh, some of these younger guys how to win. He keeps saying that we need to learn how to win. And it seems like he, we're going to get there by figuring out uh, a lot about ourselves while losing. But you have Brandon Ingram, who was predicted to be a superstar in this league. You have Lonzo Ball, who was predicted to be a superstar in this league. You have Drew Holiday, who David Griffin keeps calling an MVP candidate. And then you have the biggest prospect since LeBron James on your team. How do you handle that? How does it mesh? That's As a Pelicans fan, obviously I'm optimistic, but as a pragmatic, realistic NBA person, I hope it gels. I hope it works. I hope people know their roles. We have the front office to do that. We have the coaching staff to do that. But, you know, we, ju- we just want clearly defined roles for our players. And you're right. We don't have any holes. I just hope that they stick with their roles. And there's holes, but it's minor. Not like the Pelicans teams used to be. Etwan yeah. Moore starting at the three is a hole. Yeah. We don't have that this year. Yeah, so that's, it's, it's, it's a good position to be in. So uh, Kendrick Perkins is back on Twitter. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> Kendrick Perkins decided to go on a Donald Trump-esque rant. Is that going to be our like our idiot sound? sound uh, yeah. Play, play it one more time. <laughs> Tyler talking and we're going to play it. No. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Kendrick Perkins, Donald Trump idiot. Yeah, so he, uh, he obviously took a slight exception to Steve Kerr saying that um, Anthony Davis requesting a trade out of New Orleans sets a bad precedent out of the league. But the reason why I, I play the <laughs> the stupid sound effect along with mentioning Kendrick Perkins' name on Twitter is because he basically said that it wasn't AD's fault that the team the, and the Pelicans surrounded AD with mediocre talent. Dude, <laughs> you are the <laughs> mediocre talent. Like your ass never moved off the bench, like ever. Like what was what was your purpose of that year? And you could say like, oh, he was a, he was the mentor. No, like that dude didn't speak up once that entire year. He sat on the bench, ordered some hot dogs and nachos, and like just chilled. Like that that was that was just a easy easy paycheck for him. So I mean, like if you want to bring a hot take, like yeah, you could. I mean, whatever. You're trying to be the next Paul Pierce, right? Like just say a bunch of stupid shit on Twitter or on live television to where people just hate you so much that they tune in or follow you. But I mean, like, come on, be realistic. Like you're, you're, you're trashing your own self in that, in that comment. Yeah. Jesse, remember when we saw him when we toured the uh, Pelicans practice facility? Were you starstruck by Kendrick Perkins? (laughs) No, not at all. all. So like they, they were like, we're going to bring out two players and we're not going to tell you who till at the end of the night. And you'll be surprised. And I think they walked out like Kendrick Perkins and some guys not on the not team. on the that like wasn't oh, even on team man. past this, the I think it was Alexis Agenza if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I think it was. Nah, who cares? Yeah. So like they basically brought those two out. There. Everyone was like, "Yay!" Like th- these are the two players we got. Where's they? Kendrick yeah. Perkins did call Drew a future superstar. He did. Yeah, I, I do remember that. He That's, said. Only thing I remember. He was like, I've never seen anybody in the NBA besides maybe LeBron James who's better at handling the ball with both his right and left hand. Yeah. Well, no, Kendrick Perkins was a respected NBA player. He's just not a respected NBA analyst. You know, some of the things that he says is is quite ridiculous. And this seems to be like a common trope with uh, talks discussing the Pelicans that Anthony Davis never had any talent around him. Like, what is Drew Holiday? What is Boogie Cousins in his prime? What is Playoff Rondo? What is Eric Gordon, sixth man of the year? What is Ryan Anderson, who led the league in three-point percentage, or was in the top five in three-point percentage several years? Like, what is that? Tyreek Evans, rookie of the year, who came out and averaged damn near a triple-double. Like, to say that is quite ridiculous. You know, and this kind of goes back to my definition of a superstar. If you have the guy on your team, if you have a superstar on your team, you are a lock to make the playoffs. And Anthony Davis hasn't been that regardless of the level of talent. Yeah, and like the thing is, I, I agree with some of the points he said, right? Like he, he made a, an effort to say that, you know, it, it's Anthony Davis's career. And because Anthony Davis requested, requested the trade, it allowed the Pelicans to get a good trade package for him. That, that's all fine and dandy, mm-hmm. and nobody's ever, at least from the Pelican standpoint, I feel like we say this every week, 
it was never about him requesting a trade. It was just the way he did it and how he went about it and how he went to All-Star Week and was just gloating about how he wanted to leave New Orleans. That's what, that's what, that's what upset us. It, it wasn't anything to do with him requesting a trade. And like I said, I, I don't have a problem with most of what Kendrick Perkins said other than the fact that, oh, well, it's not, the, it's not AD's fault. They, were the, you know, they surround him with mediocre talent. Well, dude, you were that mediocre talent, yeah. so congratulations on, yeah. on ribbing on yourself. The hypocrisy there is real. Yeah, uh, and I mean, Kerr had a couple of interesting points. I'll say it it went both ways, but I think Kerr was more about the fiasco that was caused in season. Absolutely. Good point. derailed two teams. Uh, So that is, and Silver has even said that's that's bad for the NBA. You know, even if players want to request out, we got to try to keep it in-house and not make it a public fiasco every time and get everybody involved and you know hurting players images and all all these things uh that was to me going back on it we've talked about this before i feel like it was just a late push like he knew he wasn't gonna go to lakers maybe ad did do the nice thing and did that mid-season so he could help us out get us a trade package but i think we all are pretty sure it was because lebron wanted him so he could make the playoffs that season yeah and i don't know regardless of all the who had what leverage ad had leverage david griffin had leverage it's, it's been argued both ways with ad demanding the trade but what you do is you essentially throw one season of your career away and, and and the problem with that is you have teammates on your team who are looking at you as a superstar you just threw their season away like you just you threw the opportunity to make the playoffs, and some of these guys haven't made the playoffs yet. Some of them are looking to experience that, and you just threw it all away. And and I, I mentioned that uh, about Anthony Davis. The same can be said about LeBron James and the Lakers. Like you had a team that was looking pretty nice, you know, midseason, and then once Anthony Davis, once this Anthony Davis rumor came out, it completely as jesse said derailed both of their seasons so selfishly you threw away what 30 guys seasons you know and and that's that's frustration that's frustrating to see as a fan it's going to be real interesting when the next cba comes around the how contracts come into play because if players aren't honoring contracts anymore, and Kendrick Perkins makes the point to mention Paul George and how Steve Kerr didn't say anything about that because he's Alvin Gentry's best buddy. thought that was funny. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is interesting. Like You you sit down, and wh- where can you do this anywhere else, right? You, let's say you're working for an actual organization. You sit down, they put a contract in front of you, and, hey, it's two years. We're going to pay you this much. Here we go. Sign it. And you're staying with that company for two years, right? Yeah. Um, so maybe it's a length thing. Maybe, you know, you just got to sign the contract for uh, one plus one or something like that's going to be the new norm instead of four year maxes and stuff like that. But, you know, players want job security. But at the same time, you get the job security and now you want to go where you want. You have to you have to find that balance. So it's really interesting. I know players want to control where they can go, but nobody put your hand to that paper and made you sign it. Yeah. And I'm all about player. I actually really like the idea of players having more control of the future because for so long they didn't. Yeah. But you know, for every for every Paul George and for every Anthony Davis, you have guys like Nerlens Noel, you know, who who's playing the game and lost out on a lot of money. You have guys like Boogie Cousins who lost out and, on the longevity of the contracts. And I will tell you, and this comes back to what we said last week about Chris Paul. The I would say majority of NBA players are going to take long term security. You know, they'll stay with whoever. They'll stay with Memphis Grizzlies. They'll stay with, you know, uh, us. They'll stay with the Charlotte Hornets. If that's what it takes to give them four years of a solid NBA deal, then doing one plus ones, you know, there's only 20 superstars in the league. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah. So this brings us to our final segment where we're going to talk about um, lineups, obviously. So... Basically, we're going to go through um, starting lineups. Who do you think who's going to start for the Pelicans, which is easy. Who do you think the sixth and seventh men are going to be? Two guys off the bench. Mm-hmm. And who does the team end the game with? So, Jonathan, go first. Uh, start 
sixth and seventh in end game lineups. Yeah, I think we're all um we're gonna have pretty pretty similar, I think, starting in sixth man. So I'm gonna go with uh, Lonzo, Drew, uh, Ingram, Zion, and Favors as my starting five. Wait, you don't have Frank Jackson starting? Calm down, calm down. Play to play to sound bite, Jesse. <laughs> um, but no, so the reason why I love this lineup is because, like Jesse said, we have clear, obvious one, two, three, four, five. It's, it's like amazing to have that finally. We're not trying to fit somebody in a position that's not their position. We have Ingram playing the three. He's been playing out of position in L.A. We have Favors playing the five. He's been playing out of position in Utah. Now they're coming in, and they're fitting seamlessly uh, into our starting lineup, and they have experience playing out of position, so they can switch to different positions. So it's a beautiful, versatile starting lineup. I like it a lot. My sixth man and seventh man is going Frank to be... Jackson. <laughs> Play the soundbite. Uh, JJ Redick and my seventh guy is going to be Josh Hart. And I really like Josh Hart as the seventh guy, uh, probably getting between the 15 to 20 minutes uh, per game because of his experience with the Lakers. This is a guy who we can plug in to the two through four position, depending on what we're doing. So he's versatile, plays great defense. And we talked at length about what J.J. Redick brings to this team. So I think he's the obvious sixth man of the year. I think he averaged uh, a little over 30 minutes last year in Philadelphia. I don't see him getting that many minutes with our team. But being a sixth guy off the bench, he's going to potentially push for sixth man of the year like he usually does. And last but not least, now this is where it gets interesting. And this is where um, I'm looking forward to hearing you guys with the finishing five. My finish in five, and this is obviously going to change depending on who we're playing and injuries and who's got the hot hand that night, but I really, really want to see a finish in five of Lonzo, Drew, Redick, Ingram, and Zion, and I just want to run the entire time. And I just want J.J. Redick to post up at the three-point line and everybody else run to the rim with Lonzo or Drew with the ball in hand. And I want to see fast finishes at the rim. I want to see quick, easy buckets at the rim. I want to see transition threes out of Redick. Uh, I think it's going to be a fun, fun, exciting finish in five. Yeah, uh, great point. I didn't hear Frank Jackson mentioned at all, though, so I'm questioning it. <laughs> oh, wait, we still got to do the gentry janky lineup, which we'll talk about after. Okay. Uh, no, my starting lineup was the same and I'll, I'll say to a different point, I agree with your, uh, versatility. Um, but I think speaking to what I uh, said earlier, the defensive potential of this lineup, this is what Griffin's been talking about, uh, since he's put this team together is how he wants this to be a defensive minded team that gets out and running. These are the guys who are all, all going to check that box. Uh, so you're going to have the playmaking with Lonzo and you'll have the scoring with Ingram, Drew. But the defense is, is really going to be there. And Ingram's, you know, not a great defender, but he's got the length that's going to affect passing lanes. The, I don't see how you can't make this the starting lineup as well as you want to see the value out of these players. I've seen, uh, I've heard several people mentioning as starting J.J. Redick at the three. Uh, yeah, I, I, I can't see that. I can't see Ingram taking a seat on the bench. And then, you know, okay, maybe J.J. Redick does hit some starting lineups, but I think that's more likely due to Lonzo not being in there for free throw shooting or, you know, an injury or something like that. But I, I can't see how you don't start the two Laker players because, I mean, they're the ones that have been in question for that. Favors and Zion are obvious starts. And I think Zion's going to get more minutes than a lot of people are saying. A lot of people are putting him at like 28 to 30 like AD. I, I don't know about that. I think he might get more. Um, my sixth man is J.J. Redick as well. And my seventh man is Etwan Moore. And I wanted to go Josh Hart. But <clears throat> the reason I did not go Josh Hart is just because thinking from the Pelicans co coaching staff perspective, I think they're going to go Etwan Moore for, like I said last week, um, that he's been in their system, proven veteran. You know, he's played big moments for him, big minutes, and I don't see how they could just suddenly take that away from him. And then if even if he is on the trading block, you know, they're going to want to show his value. 
Um, and then my finishing five is going to be a little bit of the opposite of Jonathan's. It's going to be uh, Drew is actually going to take over the point guard duties at that point. And the reason I have that, so I've taken Lonzo out of the lineup, is Lonzo's free throw shooting as of right now is horrendous. And, you know, late game, you need, you need people who can shoot free throws. Um, and uh, I got J.J. Redican, um, Brandon Ingram. Zion and Favors. I think Favors is versatile enough to where he won't be a big that'll hurt you in late game moments. Obviously, if we're going against the Rockets, you know, it might be Zion out there at the five and we'll have something like, uh, you know, maybe Drew, JJ, Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram, Zion, something like that against the Rockets I could see. Uh, but you're not going to be playing the Rockets every night. So so uh, pretty much same for me. Starting five is going to be Lonzo, Drew, Ingram, Zion, Favors. I'm not even going to elaborate on that. Uh, my sixth man, same, J.J. Redick. My seventh man is is far different from you guys, though. I think at this point in the game, um, it'll be time for Zion to come out. He'll be obviously huffing and puffing because of the, the way he plays. I knew you were going big here. And uh, I think uh, Nicolo Melli is going to come in. Okay. He'll be the seventh man. I thought you were going to go Jaleel for a second. but No, no, I, th- I, think, I think they're going to go Nicolo Melli. So um, you, you've gone pretty up on his rankings for him then. You believe in him? Yeah, I, I just think the way Griffin talks about him. Yeah, and he talked well about him. I, I think I, during training camp, he's going to prove himself, and I, I think he'll get that spot. I could even see, depending on how he plays, like if he's that ideal type of player that, that Griffin's talked about uh, on what we see as far as a elite defensive rebounder and shooter, uh, he could easily be in that finishing five. I'm not, I'm not going to go that far. That's a reach. It's it's it it could be a bit of a reach, but hear me out. Hear me out. Okay. okay, Jesse, you said last week why Zion was six. We don't agree, but uh, he he has rookie mistakes, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What if he's getting what if he's getting blasted by somebody? What if he's making a lot of rookie mistakes that night? Who who are they putting out there? I don't think it's I don't think it's I don't think it'll be Melly. I think. Oh man, yeah, might be. Yeah. If if Melly yeah, that, is playing, yeah. ideally. To the point Griffin seems to have signed him for. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to be, you know, uh, Miritich out there. I'm just saying, you know, I can I can see a place where he, he, he's he got a big role, like you were saying, seventh man. That yeah. would be seventh man. Um, as far as the closing uh, lineup goes, um, you actually kind of – I actually like your closing five, Tyler, the most. Um, it kind of made sense to me. Like, when you said it out loud, I was like, man, that's – Wish I'd have thought of that. Yeah, but, that's a good point. Um, so, but I'm not gonna rip you off. I'm just gonna go ahead and say mine. Um, it was Lonzo, Drew, JJ, Zion, and Favors. I actually think Ingram comes out the game. I think you just need a little more consistent shooting. Yeah. So as far as the that three guard lineup with Drew, uh, Lonzo, and JJ, I actually really like, and I think that's something Gentry is gonna go to as Gentry has shown he going the small ball. And I know I said earlier, I'm like, J.J. Redick at the three is crazy. Well, yeah, it is, but he wouldn't be defending the three or anything like that. That's where you would give the assignment to Drew or or um, or Ball. Yeah. You know, you give them assignment of that three guy. You keep you keep J.J. at the two. Drew and, Drew and Ball are versatile enough to, you know, guard one through four almost. Um, and playmaking, you know, they don't – the only – Ball can play off Ball um as far as offensively it doesn't it doesn't seem like right it's like rajon rondo like that was his whole thing if he was off ball it was basically useless go, right. go throw him in the corner that's not the case with ball you know um he, he moves he moves all, he, he can move out there so uh i really like that lineup as far as three guards now who do you put there in the bigs is yet to be seen might want more space and might want more rebounding would have to see on that, but I, I do like that lineup in general. So prior to the podcast, uh, Tyler coined a new phrase. I'm going to let him explain it. Mm. Well, Jonathan already spoiled it, but it's the Gentry's <laughs> janky lineup. So basically we've all seen it, right? Since Gentry's been here, we've seen some janky lineups. So uh, you're talking about there's been lineups where Darius Miller's been the four, Etwan's the three. Uh, Ian Clark's out there with Drew, and you're like, what is happening? <laughs> um, so uh, basically, we're all going to come up with our Gentry's janky lineup, and I would love to hear Jonathan's. I'm sure yeah. Frank Jackson's on it. Yeah, so, uh, you know, first let me say, 
before we started this podcast, um, I walk into Jesse's house and Tyler's on his computer doing a lot of research. He's like, man, if you look at the Pelicans' eighth starting lineup from last year, I'm like, oh, Tyler, Jesus, dude, the amount of research this man does, I, I, I thoroughly appreciate it. So please trust his opinion a little bit better than mine. So when I'm thinking of Gentry Janky lineups, I'm just thinking, who do I want to see out there that might be fun to watch? That probably doesn't make a lot of sense. But, um, you know, that's what we've come to know Coach Gentry for. So my lineup involves just our best shooters, in my opinion. So I went with Drew, uh, Frank, Darius Miller, J.J. Redick, and Brandon Ingram. Guys who might be our streakiest shooters, but guys who any given night could probably put up five or six three-pointers. So I want to see that janky kind of like, these dudes can get hot, we're down 15, let's see if any one of them catches fire, let's put them out there and see what happens. That's when P.J. Tucker's at center, right? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So it's funny because I kind of have the same same concept. Uh, For me, it was uh, a four-guard, Plus mm-hmm. Zion at center, so they can. Hey, we get out. We're down. We're gonna try to outrun this this small ball. If someone tries to go small ball on us, I think we're gonna try to go extremely small and then mm-hmm. just outrun them. So for me, it was Lonzo, Drew, JJ Redick, Josh Hart, mm. and then Zion. See, Josh Hart would have been a good one to yeah. add him on. So I mean, yeah. it's just. Yeah, I, I, like I mean, obviously, you could poke a million holes yeah. in that lineup, but as far as like something that you know, you're just trying to find out what plugs and what fits. Yeah, you know, I could see. Actually, I can't see it, but yeah, I could. You know, if it happened, it wouldn't surprise me. We've seen some janky lineups. So I'll give y'all a realistic janky small ball lineup that I can potentially see. Probably won't happen, but uh, so mine, uh, you got to put ball in any of the janky lineups. I feel like so balls in there, Drew's in there, uh, JJ Reddick's in there because that'd be, you know, when we go small, you got to put him in, uh, and then I have Darius Miller at the four. We're see, trying to get some thank shooting. Thank you. See, yeah, yeah. I want to see his name we're mentioned just, tonight. We're trying to get some shooting out there. We'll put him at the four. He's, he's tall enough. And then, yeah, we go with somebody crazy like uh, Zion at the five. Like, just throw he would, him in He would there be so fun at the five, right? run, yeah. Yeah. So, that's that's my janky lineup for... Uh, I like it. So, me and Tyler decided to propose a question for Jonathan. Oh, Lord. Because, I don't know if you guys know this, but during the podcast, he... Downs quite a few beers while we're talking. <laughs> so right now he's towards the end of his 40 ounce. So here's the question, Jonathan. Say tomorrow, unfortunately, you pass and God decides to send you to hell. And Satan himself says, Jonathan, for the rest of eternity, you have to watch five of the worst Pelicans basketball players play for the rest of mm. your life. Who are your, what is your five, I guess, what is the worst lineup you can think of that you would have to watch for the rest of eternity? Okay. Now, I got a prediction list if you don't say what I think you're going to say. Okay. But, I'll, but go, go ahead. Okay. Y'all are, y'all are setting me up for this one. I love it. Um, yeah, down a few beers <laughs> while I'm listening to this, while I'm recording this podcast, I should say. And I am towards the end of this one. So y'all might need to help me out. But I'm going to begin with Omir Asik. Center, that's who I guessed. Okay, so center, you got Ashik. I, I yes. pretty much guessed that one. Um, at the four, it's another center, but God, he was so terrible. And we, we, I don't know if you remember this, Jesse. We actually met him at Lucy's. Do you remember this? He was walking to Lucy's. You can, are you saying Greg Steams? Yes. 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. So okay. we met him at Lucy's. So I'm gonna put Steams over there. I'm gonna put Solomon Hill at the three because. My goodness, dude. Jeez. I remember we texted the day we got Solomon Hill. And we were sort of excited, but we were like, damn, we paid him too much. And it's been absolutely terrible ever since. The two guard is 100% chubby Eric Gordon. I knew it. Yeah. I was like, there's no way Jonathan is in hell and Eric Gordon is sitting right next to him. So Eric Gordon has blocked me on Twitter because I've called him out several times. And my point guard would have to be... um, and when we traded Baron Davis, I was very upset. And in return, we got Speedy Claxton. Okay. So he was actually a really good player, and he's probably ahead of, like, Dan Dickow. You know, probably the worst point guard to ever suit up in New Orleans. But 
I was just so upset about that trade. I was very upset at Speedy Claxton for some reason. So in hell, watching the Pelicans, Speedy Claxton would be my point guard. So um, basically, uh, from knowing you, I thought your hell lineup would be point guard Brian Roberts. (laughs) I got the shooting guard right, Eric Gordon. Small forward, John Salmons. Oh, wow. (laughs) Power forward, Dante Cunningham. Yeah, yeah, I'm not too mad at him. And center, of course, Omer Osik. Omer Osik. You'd meet me in the the highest circle of hell, man. <laughs> so uh, we'd like to finish this off by saying uh, we want to thank everybody who's been paying attention to us and listening and tuning in. Um, obviously, whenever you guys interact with us on Twitter, uh, we're, we're trying to respond as much as possible, and uh, we're super thankful. Um, I, I know Jonathan does the best he can as far as interacting. Yeah. And, you know, we also have a new intro uh, on this podcast. So we got a, a good buddy of mine, Keenan, to he makes beats for a living, actually. So I reached out to him. I said, hey, man, listen to the podcast. You know, what, what vibe are you getting from it and create a beat from it? And he's like, no worries. I got you. So um, if you ever need anything for a podcast or say, you're, you know, you have a YouTube channel that you want an introduction for, or he's been featured in several hip hop artists locally um, with his beats. His Twitter handle is Music X Genius. So, Music X Genius. He did the intro to this Pelipod, and we're going to be using him going forward. So, uh, we obviously had a little Twitter thing where we asked people uh, their uh, Pelicans power ranking, something we did last week. And, uh, we're going to give him a little shout out um, at Emperor Jonathan. Um, I'm just going to go one through 10. He My had, boy, Garrity. Yeah. He had uh, Drew at one, Ingram two, Favors three, Zion four, Lonzo five, JJ six, Hart seven, Jaleel eight, Frank at nine, and Kennerich at 10. Not bad. Yeah, that's a pretty, that was close to what we had at the top 10. Yep. Yeah. That was pretty close. close to mine. Yeah. Uh, at Corbore. Uh, had Drew one, two Lonzo, three Favors, four Brandon Ingram, five Zion. That was close to me. That was close to yeah. me. And yeah. Y'all yeah. yeah. been giving me shit all week. But <laughs> <laughs> Six JJ, seven Ja, eight Melly, nine more, ten Hart. That might be the highest Ja that we saw, right? Yeah. Yeah. I hope he shows out. Yeah, I hope definitely. he shows out. Uh, at JL Tune Me. He uh he has Drew one, Zion two, Ball three, Favors four, Ingram five, JJ six, Melly seven, Etwan eight, Hart nine, and uh, Miller ten. Okay, so it's he's a, got Ball over Ingram. It's a high Etwan man, and uh, really he has Etwan. he has Frank Jackson fourteen. So I know wow. you. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, um, I think. Uh, I think Griffin Griffin disagrees with you've, that. You've touched the nerve. No, yes. but you know, it, it, I think that was the the guy who said Zion is a very important player. So I think yeah. he had him at number two. So yeah. So uh, at Ty Nola five, he had Drew one, Ball two, Zion three, Ingram four, Favors five, Reddick six, Jaw seven, Melly eight, Hart nine, and uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker at ten. That's Man. a that's a high jaw. A lot of people are big on ball, yeah. huh? Yeah, Lon- than Lonzo and Jaw seem to be pretty popular on Twitter. Interesting. Then uh, at Mike B. Goodley, he had Drew 1, Ingram 2, Favors 3, JJ 4, Zion 5, uh, Lonzo 6, Frank 7, Darius Miller Damn. at 8, Okafor at 9, <laughs> and he put Gentry at 10. <laughs> Shout out oh, to that. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, and uh, the last one, uh, at Florian 3D, uh, he had Drew 1, Lonzo 2, Zion 3, Ingram 4, Favors 5, JJ 6, Melly 7, Hard 8, Ja 9, and uh, Kenny at 10. Another high Melly. Yeah. Yeah, I know we... You guys were pretty high. Seeing, seeing what Griffin's saying. Interesting, man. I mean, listen, we love the Twitter shoutouts. And, you know, one thing I love about you guys, too, is I don't feel like we think that our opinion is higher than anybody's opinion. Do you agree with that? Yeah. I know, I know yep. sometimes I listen to some podcasts, and I, I don't, I'm not trying to speak negatively, but it seems like it's, it's very pretentious. And, you know, when you try to respond to these guys, y'all already know I've been blocked by a few of them. 
you know, and I try to respond to some of these guys and it's as if our opinion doesn't matter because we don't write blogs or we don't, you know, do YouTube uh, videos on these players. But, um, you know, we try to interact with these guys and I always love hearing other people's opinions. Yeah, I mean, really, it's a bunch of stats getting thrown at you. And to Jonathan's point earlier, I do look at stats and things of that nature, but not everybody does and they shouldn't expect to know what, you know, win shares means as far as an impact to like what a player does. Right. It should be what they see on the court. And, you know, we're all fans. We just we want to watch the game. We don't want to sit here and look at numbers all day. Yeah. So. You know, and, and again, everybody who put their opinion out there, I'm sure it's based off of something. Some people probably based it off of stats and win shares. Some people probably based it off of just viewing them this past year. Yeah, so but st- I appreciate all st- of that. That's don't tell the whole story. No, no. shot. Either way, I appreciate any response that we get. You know, we Always are going to read it. Oh, we're always going to give a shout out to you. Yeah, let's get a. Uh, so everybody did great with the rankings. Let's get uh, everybody's gentry janky lineup. Yes, respond yeah. with your best <laughs> janky lineup. Or, or, awesome. or your or your best Jonathan and Hell lineup. Yeah. yeah, dude, your best gentry janky lineup and your best who are who is your in hell Pelicans lineup. Yes, love it. So uh, we thank y'all for listening again. And uh, like always, tune in next week and uh, hit subscribe on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify and uh, keep on listening. You guys have a good night. Thanks. Later.